Craft Beer Radio, episode 104, February 12th, 2008. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Jeff Bear. I'm Craig Weiss. This week we'll be drinking some barley wine. We finally get to start our barley wine. Is it going to be like a a flight? We don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how things go. Yeah, we got four barley wines here tonight. Let's. It's nice and cold outside. It's winter, the dead of winter. We got snow on the ground. It really is the perfect time for barley wine. And you might ask. What is a barley wine? Well, first we're going to pour one, and then we're going to tell you about it. One sec. So we have two English barley wines and two American barley wines. So well, let's start with an English one. All right. And we're going to give another brew from last week another try. This is the Upland, Upland Winter Warmer. But it's actually a barley wine. Yes. It's a very similar style. <laughs> so what is a barley wine? Well, it's beer. It certainly is. <laughs> it's not wine, as the name suggests. It's a rich and strong malty beer. Often will have like a caramel aroma, caramel-like. Should have some moderate to strong fruitiness. English hop aroma may range from mild to assertive. Alcohol aromatics should be low to moderate. And uh, the intensity of these aromatics often subsidize with age. This is a beer that sellers very well. So you're looking for color from rich gold to very dark amber or even dark brown, which this really comes into the dark brown range. Mm-hmm. Um, and the flavor should be strong, intense, complex, multi-layered malt rate flavors ranging from bready and biscuity through nutty, deep toast, dark caramel, toffee, and or molasses. That sounds delicious, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Ingredients should be a well-modified pale malt should be the backbone of the grist. A judicious amounts of caramel malts, dark malts could be used with great, resta- great restraint. Most most of the color arises from the lengthy boil. English hops, such as North Down, Target, East Kent Coldings, or Fuggles would be used. Um, big difference between American barley wines and English barley wines. You can probably guess it's the amount of hopping in the uh, the barley wine. Shock. Shock, yeah. Shock so, at all right there. I mean, for example, the two English ones that we're doing should be really mauled forward, mm-hmm. where depending on the barley wine for the American ones, I mean, it could be very hoppy. Like, uh, so you're not had a big foot when it's young. Very hoppy. Very hoppy, yeah. It mild. It, it gets milder and, I should say, considerably better with age. Uh, and I think that's the case for a lot of barley wines. Mm-hmm. Most barley wines mature in grand fashion. Okay. So the aroma on this Upland Winter Warmer is wonderful. It's alcohol, malt. Uh, it's, this, it's almost like a, a creamy malt. There's... um. This just smells syrupy and thick. It just there's a sweetness maple to syrup it. sort of to yeah. Um, this is nine uh, percent alcohol by volume, and Upland Brewing Company is a is a Hoosier State beer from Bloomington, Indiana. Should have drank this one last week. Well, well we haven't tasted it yet. We had beers last week that smelled very good too. Right. So let's reserve that till we taste it. It's a little dialed down from the aroma. Mm. It's kind of. It's trying to get to where the aroma is, I think. Yeah, it's not quite as thick as you yeah. I expected from the aroma. 
I was expecting something very viscous and um, mouth-filling. It still smells incredible, but it just feels a little bit like the aroma is setting you up for something that's not quite there. Now, around the wateriness of the 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 you know the the lack of mouthfeel, there's some nice flavors going on, especially in the late aftertaste. You're getting some some caramel, some chocolate, even and toffee. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that late aftertaste is very it's really delicious. So we had these beers out of the fridge during the pre-show. So they've been out of the fridge for about thirty minutes now, forty minutes. Still a little cold. Still a little on the cold side. So what do you say we warm this puppy up and, and read some uh, news or something? We have news. We do. Rob Casper from the Baltimore Sun is the uh, columnist, and he blogs about beer. Miller Lite tests new craft beer styles in Baltimore. Now, we talked about them doing the Miller Craft Golden Series or something, and um, he, he got the taste in here. There are three of them, a wheat, an amber, and a blondale. They're called the Miller Lite Brewers Collection. And starting this month, they'll be test marketed in Baltimore and three other cities, Charlotte, Minneapolis, and San Diego. These beers are attempt to marry two trends, the growth in craft beer consumption and America's thirst for light beers. So it's not the Miller Brewery, Brewers Collection, it's Miller Light Brewers Collection. They're yeah. a collection of light beers that are also craft. Craft or craft-like, we should say. <laughs> right. That's, that's not quite an oxymoron because we've had some craft light beers. Yes. Sam Adams uh, comes to the front of my mind. So uh, he, uh, Rob goes on to mention he's not a light beer drinker. But of the three beers, only one had any noticeable flavor, and that was the wheat, which had a nice citrus note to it. There's little doubt that these beers, as Bill Lite says, are less filling. I'm not convinced that they taste great. So Let's see, a wheat, an amber, and a blonde ale. Light wheat, light amber. A light, light wheat, a light amber, and a light blonde. I mean, blondes, it's hard to find a truly decent blonde ale that's really going to give you something special anyway. Mm-hmm. An amber... The only ambers that I like are the ones that feature hops a lot. Mm-hmm. And the wheat, well, wheat is just, I mean, it's just such a good grain and versatile grain. And with the yeast in there, you can get something out of it. So I, I can believe that a wheat would, would be decent. Right. The, uh, the next news story here is uh, Ruby Tuesday Goes Craft. Now, listening to um, Davis on Draft, Justin Davis talked about how Ruby Tuesdays, Ruby Tuesdays had a nice beer selection. I've never really uh, looked into it. There's this article on ProBrewer.com. See, th- th- to me, that would be kind of like Olive Garden going craft. Whoop-de-doo, I'm not going to go to an Olive Garden. <laughs> I mean, I'd much rather go to a mom-and-pop restaurant than I would be to go to one of these chain super, you know, chain. I mean, I was not really familiar with how chainy it is. I mean, I just, Pictured it as kind of like an Applebee's, right? That's, yeah, that's basically the TGI Friday's Applebee's. Well, if they had good craft beer and... Okay, so my mom loves TGI Fridays, right? Right. So there's times you have to go eat at you know, these chain restaurants you normally wouldn't want to. I guess. I mean, we've, we've gone to Mad Max, which is a local chain, right? But that's... It's a local chain. It's different. We've mm-hmm. gone to John Harvard's, which is... A, but it's not kind of the same kind of chain. I don't know. It, it just feels like... I'd rather support, in the same way that I'd rather support the local craft brewer, I'd rather support the local mom-and-pop restaurant. Here's some of the beers that they um, include. That's a Dogfish Head 60-Minute, Sam Adams Boston Lager, Widmer Hefeweizen, Abita Turbo Dog, Flying Dog Amber Lager, and Magic Hat Number 9. So they're all more, I'd say, more of the mainstream craft beers, but it's still it's getting in front of more people. Right. And that's the really 
good news, I think. And when my mom wants to go eat someplace and she doesn't want to go to Mad Mex again, we can go to Ruby Tuesdays and I can have a decent beer. <laughs> so there's two wins there for me. So you warm up your upland at all? Yeah, it's um, it actually has helped. Uh, it, the the flavor is coming a bit more full now. Yeah, it, it's better. It's still not where I want it to yeah. be, but it's better. Uh, some of that uh, bitterness is coming in the back. Just a bit of hot bitterness, not a lot. Like again, again, we said it's English, or at least English style. Now here's a question for you: We talk about you know saving your sobriety for a beer that's worth it. At nine percent, is this beer good enough? Yeah, I, I think so. Okay. Uh, I, it, it's it's not a bad beer by any stretch of the imagination. But at nine percent, you know, that's to me that's where I'm struggling with it. If it was a seven percent beer, six percent beer, be fine drinker. But you know, this is going to put a big dent in my sobriety. This is going to put a big dent in your sobriety, but it's it tastes very good. It and it's going it's going to satisfy you. It's not going to be. The, the the best thing you've ever had. Mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty satisfying. This would go great with a burger, mm-hmm. or um, I don't know about a steak, but a burger definitely. Yeah, this I I would not mind this. I think I'm, I'm remembering one time when I had a beer, Golden Drock. <laughs> uh, I just tasted in here what tiny bit of watermelon Jolly Rancher. I think that's the hops playing with your mind. Hops, you think? Yeah, the hops and, and the and the alcohol. Hmm. I was thinking more of a the caramel malt and the alcohol or something. I remember having Golden Drop, which is what eleven, twelve percent at uh, at Sharp Edge, and just being like overwhelmed, mm-hmm. like it was way too much alcohol. I didn't really get the kind of enjoyment that I wanted to. That okay. to me is like that's going overboard because it wasn't. To me, at the time at least, all that enjoyable of a beer. And it was just one, and I was down for the count. Right. This is 9%, so it's less than that, It's it's. but I'm really, I'm enjoying it. I'm not like, I'm not calling it a wow beer, mm-hmm. but I'm enjoying it. Let's finish up on this one. This is the Upland Winter Warmer, Upland Brewing Company. And uh, again, like we said, good. Jeff thinks it may not be worth your sobriety compared to other barley wines. Right. Now, if you're out and you want a barley wine and this one's the one on tap, it's it's not one to avoid, certainly. Now, if you're at a bottle shop and you're picking a barley wine, you want a good English barley wine, this wouldn't be my first choice. Probably sure. not. But I do like those flavors in there. <laughs> there are some really good flavors. In I, wish the, I wish the taste was a little more potent, like mm-hmm. the aroma match. That would help it a lot. All right. So, out of Upland into Arcadia. The Arcadia Serial Killer Barley Wine. Now, cereal spelled with a C, and it's got a little milk. It's got a spoon with some milk dipping off it. So the idea being that it's, you know, breakfast cereal and killer. Cereal grains, you know, I, I guess. Barley. <laughs> ah, there you go. That's a good one. Cereal grains. This is, again, 9%. Arcadia is out of Battle Creek, Michigan. 45 IBUs in this one, so pretty bitter. It still falls under English Barley Wine least on the uh, categorization that I saw. Even darker than the Upland. Uh, really rich brown, kind of like a, a, a tea. Doesn't nearly have the same enticing aroma that the Upland did. It smells um, a bit soured. We trade our skunk voodoo doll for a soured <laughs> voodoo doll. 
To me, it, it didn't portal crazy foamy, but it smells like a slight hint of um, sourness in there and and just a little bit of um, sulfur. I, I'm, I think I'm getting the sulfur and, and a good deal of alcohol. I'm not really getting much sour, but we'll see when I taste it maybe. But I mean... Maybe it is that we talk about how much we love sour beer so much, and then the sour thing says, oh, yeah, and <laughs> wraps itself around us. Wow. There's something wrong with that beer. Yeah, it's soured or something. I haven't had this one for too long. I've had this one for like three months. It is a 2006 vintage, though. Which is fun. It's sitting at three, I know. It's sitting at three suns for a while, I guess. It should, it should age. Oh, fun. man. That aftertaste is nah, It's Ugh. Hasn't hit me yet. It's not sick nasty. It's just unpleasant nasty. It's it's gonna be a dumper for me. I can't fit, I can't drink this one. Ooh. Mm. Okay. It's almost a little soapy. Um. Kind of. There's a cloying sweetness to it. And it, there's almost also, like I said, a little bit of a soapiness. Oh, oh. And you know how you had that reaction to those smoked beers? Mm-hmm. This one is just dig it in there and just make me... It's completely unpleasant to me. I just can't drink this one. Well, I totally understand where you're coming from. And the same thing with the... Uh, if any of you had the DVD when I tried the triple buck. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Man, that was nasty. This is this is okay to me. There's some off flavors in here, but it's not it's not killing me the way it is, Jeff. It's um it's not nearly as good as the Upland. Mm-hmm. No, we'll have to try it again. It's very it's very available around here. Like I said, I bought this when winter was coming around for barley wine show. It's not like I've had it on the cellar for two or three years. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a bit sour. It's gone soured on, and not a good sour. It's okay to me. It doesn't really. You drink a whole glass of that? Yeah, I mean, I would. I don't know if I will, but I would. Oh man, I don't know that. I'd send that back. I would definitely send this beer back. Really? Oh yeah. It's one of the most unpleasant tasting beers I've tasted in two years. Re- wow, that's that's strong words. I, I think it's that soapiness at the back that really hurts it and um the reason why i would say yeah i'll dump it is for the sobriety rule mm-hmm. it's you know it, it's, it's not good enough to now i'm not saying that arcadia L serial killer is always a shitty beer right i i don't know that right this one is really bad though it is and it tastes like it's been soured it doesn't taste like it's a bad beer because it was made a bad beer it tastes like it was a bad beer because it got spoiled after bottling it's interesting because it must be like when when I was having that strong reaction to smoke beers, and you were like, "They're fine to me," and I was just like, "Oh, I can't take yeah. it. it." The same thing is happening here. Jeff is having a really strong reaction to something in there, and to me, it's not hitting me in, in nearly the same way. Mm-hmm. All right, so you ready to move on to the next one? Mm-hmm. All right. We should mention we're drinking these beers out of Snifters tonight, um, and we're actually drinking them out of this Strong Beer Month. Snifters 2007, and it is Strong Beer Month 2008 in San Francisco. Well, Talked about it a little bit last week uh, at 21st Amendment Magnolia. They have the Strong Beer Month. Okay, so the next one we're going to do is um, from San Francisco. There you go. 
Old Godfather. Well, I wanted to mention this before we start on the Ruby Tuesday story. I, I, I love this as marketing speak, just, you know, super marketing speak from, uh, who's this guy? Grant, Kimberly Grant, the executive vice president and head of restaurant operations for Ruby Tuesday. The craft beers we offer are the perfect pairing with many of Ruby Tuesday's signature dishes, including our justifiably famous burgers, our fork tender baby back ribs, and our great steaks. <laughs> wow. Well, okay, so she she's right. Craft beer appears good with that stuff, but yeah, she threw in some buzzwords there. <laughs> Justifiably famous burgers. I don't know anybody who says, "Man, those Ruby Tuesdays burgers are so awesome." They're good, but they're not justifiable. You know, I'm kind of curious to go check the place out now, though, just because of this. I mean, so they actually probably got two customers they would have never got otherwise now. So, at least one. No, well, Heather. Oh, okay. (laughs) This smells back on track. Three. Oh, yeah, 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 the little baby bear. <laughs> for, uh, update for people who are curious, you know, my wife is due February 24th, so she could pop any day now. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh... First child, so she probably won't pop too early, but... Exactly. But the uh, the doctor says she's, uh, she's on deck and ready to go. <laughs> so this is the... Old Godfather from Speakeasy Ales in San Francisco, California. 10.2% alcohol by volume. This is a 2006 vintage. Uh, Gary sent it to us. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, Drinking Gary. out of glasses, Gary gave us. Thanks again, Gary. <laughs> Gary, you are, you, you are the super fan. doesn't smell very hoppy. It's two years old, it, but it smells a lot like the Upland Winter Warmer. It smells like a good English brother wine. Probably not as, as um, syrupy and sweet as the Upland smelled. Mm-hmm. But it still has a good malt aroma there. Great presence. Not as much alcohol coming out of it either. I didn't really... Yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't think the alcohol was super noticeable in the Upland, so I didn't notice much difference. But I guess you're right. It is a little bit lower. There's that full flavor you wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, hit you right up front, and this is this is a... Now you can tell it is American. It, it, at the end of the flavor where, you, where I was looking for this round malty flavor... It's it, was a, it was a slash of hops that right. came through there. It's funny. We, we kind of shat on the, the up a little bit. So far, it's my favorite of the night. <laughs> Just because well, it wasn't I'm full, big, but well, the flavors were perfect. I'm a big fan of um, English barley wines, right. right? I mean, a good English beats a good American any day. You know, if they're on the same caliber, I pick the English any day of the week. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see that. You know, if things turn out right, the Upland might be the number one beer because <laughs> it had that better profile that I look for in a barley wine. It just wasn't quite thick. It didn't have the same kind of mm-hmm. fullness. This one has a lot of fullness, but it hits with that bitter note that something along the lines of, of the Saison, your Saison mm-hmm. in the pre-show, doesn't quite go right with, with what's going on. I mean, it goes more in line. I mean, hoppiness is more... Mm-hmm. Balanced with malt than it is with, say, sour apple, which was the saison. But still, it feels like the the hoppiness is coming on a bit too strong here. It, it's tough. It's tough. You're right. The I agree with you that the bitterness, the hoppiness, is coming on a little bit too strong. 
but it's also more satisfying beer to drink because of the fuller body. Right. So I'm torn. If I had like right now, I'm trying to like which one do I pick ahead of the other one because I think this one's more satisfying to drink, but I don't like the hoppiness at the end as much. I, it, it's it's a question of texture over flavor. I got some uh, some great little burps coming out. Great flavor though. <laughs> what's what's the proper word for that? The uh... there's a word for that. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So we got an email from Brett. Brett, who was uh, last week the un- unfortunately sent who sent us the beers, and unfortunately last week were most of the beers he sent us last yeah, week. Yeah, we did. Were were too old, and he says, "Guys, I'm sorry about the beers I sent to you. I think I sent those to you back in September, October, 2007, so not quite a year ago. Maybe you were covering my ass a bit, and if so, thanks for easing my embarrassment." Not at all. It's not your fault at all. It really is our fault I mean, for not getting. What he's saying is, you know, I thought I had gotten the beers much earlier. I thought he sent me fresher beers. He inadvertently sent, picked up beers at his local bottle shop that were not as fresh as he thought they were. Mm-hmm. So he was curious if we were covering his ass and hiding the fact that he sent our soldier beers. Um, so no, I mean, I thought that I sat on him too long. Um, Brett, you know, sorry for not checking. He was curious though. He says his concern is this. He said, would refrigeration make a difference? Because when he got these beers, they were all cold, cold, and he let them warm up, and they were in my cellar warm. And we get this question from a bunch mm-hmm. of listeners about, you hear this uh, hear this rumor about beer, and usually it's dealing with macro beer. Once beer's cold, you can't let it get warm. Or it will, and people will say skunk, because mm-hmm. that that's a general term for beer going bad when you're talking about kegs of beer. And it's uh, it's not really true. You can let beer warm up. Uh, you don't want beer to go through frequent temperature fluctu- right. fluctuations that will speed the speed up the oxidation. And um, keeping it warm is not good either. The science behind it is well. I won't get into the specifics of the science because I don't have it in front of me. But I do remember researching this, and essentially the problem is not when it gets cold, but when it gets warm. Right. And when it gets warm, some of the aldehydes turn. They start to oxidize. Uh, and you get this you you get this oxidization going on, and like Jeff said, it's the repeated cycles that cause it more than just okay if it gets if it goes to cold to warm once and then it stays at room temperature or something like that doesn't get too warm and just stays there for a long time then it's fine if it goes cold warm cold warm cold warm cold warm that's really bad yeah it's worse than just staying at the warmer temperature and uh, you know when we talk about beer handling we you know we say you know my opinion on it is. Do the best that is reasonable for you to do. You know, you don't have to build a walk-in cooler. I don't have a walk-in cooler yet. Um, you know, I, I do my best to keep the room as cool as I can without wasting extra resources. Also, keep in mind, like these barley wines, you don't want to keep them in the fridge. Beers that are in the in the refrigerator will not mature. Right. Yeah. They'll well, they'll mature much, much more slowly, or they'll be in a kind of a state of suspended animation. Cellar right. uh, temperatures around fifty-two degrees. If you have a room in your house, you can keep it 52 year, degrees year-round and get the perfect beer cellar. Mm-hmm. Not many people can do that. Right. Not many people want to put in a uh, window air conditioner just to cool one room of their house. You know? <laughs> I was thinking about it. Actually, I have... You could dig a hole or something. And... <laughs> yeah. The old godfather. It's, uh, I'm getting used to, more used to the hops. Mm-hmm. It's not bugging me as much as it did at the beginning. It's still not what I want when I think barley wine. I mean, when I when I go after barley wine, I want that malt. I don't want that. I don't really want to have a lot of hops. Mm-hmm. I understand the West Coast proclivity to throwing hops into it as much as possible, but 
some beers you just want to get malty. Yeah, I agree. I was just looking at the... Um... I, you know, I think that I was talking earlier about how you know, we've always said we went from hops down to malt. And I said earlier a couple of weeks ago, I've, all, I've almost come back to hops again and want that. But there are... I think that you're a hop fan until you taste some of these great multi beers. Then you're like, man, these multi beers are awesome. <laughs> I think you're just a fan of all kinds of beers. I Shouldn't think that's probably so that's much. probably the truth. But when I when I want a beer like this, I want something multi. So we got an email from Troy here, who was a member of Meba, M E B A, and you're asking, what is Meba? What is M E B A? Well. Meba, which is at www.meba.ms, is a group in Mississippi that's trying to lift the 5% alcohol by weight cap. We have a bill submitted to the state senate this year, but it will die a quick death if the finance committee doesn't take action on it. So I was hoping you could make mention of this during the news section of your podcast. Here you go. And direct folks to the Meba website, again, www.meba.ms, as we need all the support we can get. Well, you got it, Troy. Oh, there's uh, one last piece of news. It, I was debating whether it's a macromac, but I think it's more of just industry news. Um, there's a new number one world's largest brewer. Sab Miller has finalized the acquisition of Grolsch, making it the uh, number one brewer in the world. With the acquisition of Grolsch and the recent acquisition of Heineken of Scottish and Newcastle, Sab Miller would become the world's largest brewer, topping the current leader, Imbev. Wow. Well, congratulations. And then in the next news article I saw on the website, AB and Imbev talks heat up. It looks like they're talking to merge. <laughs> Imbev and Anheuser-Busch. They're going to run the world one day. It's just going to be one big beer company yeah. and then all the craft brewers. <laughs> next beer. Hair of the Dog. We like Hair of the Dog. We have had some very good experiences with Hair of the Dog. And this is Hair of the Dog's Doggy Claws. As you might expect, an American barley wine, 11.5% alcohol by volume. And they say very clearly here, Doggy Claws is a barley wine made in the West Coast style. Big malt and hops make this copper-colored ale one of our most popular products. See there? That's not marketing speak. That's just truth. Yep. They, now a little bit of the marketing. Hair of the dog has great labels. They have you know different dog profile bust on their things. This one's a bulldog wearing a Santa's cap. He has some menorah to each side. So <laughs> to include our buddy Greg here, uh, IBUs 70, 70. seventy. That's <laughs> that's IPA. <laughs> it is. And by the way, uh, Hair of the Dog Brews are now organic. In summer 2007, Alan, who I guess runs the brewery, switched the base malt for all Hair of the Dog Brews to organic Pilsner malt. And yeah, it says right here, the label I was reading the same time you found that, was uh, Pilsner and British Crystal Malts Organic. He used Simcoe and Amarillo hops. Simcoe and Amarillo? <laughs> the barley wine. Wow. And, and with dark wildflower honey collected on Mount Hood. Wow. Beer is ready to drink now, but improves with age. Happy holidays from the Curs at Hair of the Dog. That Don't smells sp- hoppy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it smells like a West Coast IPA. Like double. Uh, it smells like wow. Like like Moylan's hopsicle. What else does it smell like? With seventy IBUs. You always have to be a barley wine to, to, to back that up with enough malt. God. 
Okay, I gotta go for the taste because yeah. I mean something that smells so IPA. I can't wait to see what this barley wine tastes like. That's really interesting. It tastes like a hybrid of a barley wine and a double IPA. Yeah, <laughs> it it comes across. The first flavor is indeed malt, and it's then commingling with a very strong hoppiness. Holy crap! That's crazy. And, uh, the flavors in there. Yeah, and it's. And it's very full. You can taste the Simcoe. You can definitely taste the Simcoe. Fruity. So the, um, I've you know, had conversations with people where they think that um, Simcoe is very cappy-like. And to me, I've never really gotten cappy from, from Simcoe. It's a lot more... What? What are you giggling about? I just... You're I just, giggling about over there. I, I think it's, it's hilarious that... Um, Cat pee is gone to the point where it's just a way we can describe something without laughing about it. Oh, it's just kind of like cat pee, you know. <laughs> okay, good point. But okay, so it's a very uh, ammonia-like, uh, you know, a smell of um, hops. I've never really gotten that from from Simcoe. Now I have gotten it from Amarillo in the past, but not from Simcoe. Hmm. Not getting any cat pee in this one though. No cat pee here. Does not taste like it, a bottle. Combination of the malt and this juicy citrusy hop. Yeah, it's it's almost it's like biting into an orange. Almost, that's a very good, a very apt description. Biting into an orange, the the mouthfeel is similar. Mm-hmm. The acidity is similar. It, it's a lot like biting into an orange. Still, still, it does not have. What I really want out of a barley wine. Yeah. But it's good. It's really <laughs> it's good. Very good. It's really interesting, and I highly recommend people try it because, <laughs> you know, I love a beer that's different, and I love a beer that, you know, takes it in a new angle um, without just saying, we're going to throw hops in it, mm-hmm. or we're just going to throw lots of malt in it. Blah. Now, I'm going to have to, I just hit the peak. Just felt the the intoxication kind of hit me, the um, the feel where like your stomach's like slow down, buddy, not so much. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to nurse the rest of my uh, doggy claws here. But I I don't think we're gonna we're planning on doing four beers. I pulled out the fifth one, which was John Barleycorn, but I don't think I'm gonna do it tonight. Really, it is kind of early. I mean, oh man, it's so strong. <laughs> <sighs> we have a whole post show too. See, he's trying to drive me to drink. You see that? I I want to try it because I want to okay. see. All right. I mean, to me, it's like we really. Well, we got this whole bottle of serial killer here. All right. Then we got to finish. We really shit on the Upland, and to me, it's my number one beer. I don't know. I think Doggy Claws has something to say about that. I I mean, I just I feel like right now the Upland gave me the best full barley wine experience that I want. The Doggy Claws gave me something different. You know, I got a barley wine worth trying. Maybe it's not the... Maybe we shouldn't do the John Barleycorn. I got... Let me go grab one. All right. We'll save John Barleycorn for another day. Ta-da! Ta-da! Jeff just brought out a beer that I said yes very much to. (laughs) We'll reveal it in a few minutes. Okay, so so where were we? What were we talking about? We were talking about how I really felt that the malty component of the bottle oh, of wine is what I really Smell it, smell it, smell it. You smell honey? Yes. 
So we're getting that mountain honey now. Mm-hmm. I can no, taste the honey too. Well, yeah, it was, I mean, there's so much flavor in this thing. It was hard to pick out just the honey, but that aroma reminds me of a lot of the meads that I was able to try in Denver. Uh, first time I really had an exposure to mead, I went to the Back to Your Roots tasting, mead, little mead festival thing. And meads are really good. Too bad we can't get them here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> there's this black hole that no one really realizes they can sell, I guess. You know, it, honey is obviously fermentable, but it still stays in there. Yeah, it give, definitely gives it different flavors. Uh, we've talked before where most beers with honey, the honey kind of ferments out and it has this like kind of the alcohol. It's like this minty alcohol zing to it, like kind of like a wintergreen. Um, most of the meads I had, though, weren't that way. Which is refreshing because I didn't really find that flavor all that pleasant. Uh, what are some examples of those kinds? See, of- see, to me now, the honey is starting to stick around too much and it's starting right. to get cloying. And, you know, me and cloying, I like dry. And this is not, as, as it's warming up, it's less successful a beer to me. Mm-hmm. See, my last sip tasted, you know, very bitter. Again, so it's, it's just it's a constant flux <laughs> of what I think about this beer. It's good beer, and it's uh, good. I, I don't want to get into ratings rankings too early. So, what else can we talk about? Well, we don't have to always you know save our rankings for less. I don't. Okay, it's not so. It's so not. My, it's, it's not something that you know uh, we have to save it for the end. We can talk about it whenever okay. we want to. We don't. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, what I was thinking about would have made a good. Closer to the show, though, but I can I can close that out now, and that's where I think the doggy claws, while maybe not the best barley wine when you're looking for a traditional English barley wine, it's definitely a beer that if you can get it, you should try it. Because mm-hmm. it's no, different. I I agree, and you know I think it's it's important to try beers that try something new, and you know how would you would you classify this as a barley wine? I think that's probably the closest thing you could, you could probably classify it as. So that's there's probably why they taste did it. in there. I mean, it could fall into double IPA. It could fall into Spicedale almost because of the honey. Maybe brag it. You, you could just call it a, a, you know a strong ale, but that just doesn't quite yeah. fit. It does have a fair amount of barley wine flavor to it, so I guess that kind of fits. But. It's quite an experiment. Yeah. Whatever it is. Whatever category falls into it, it's an experimental beer, I would have to say. The secret beer that you've been sitting on the edge of your seat to find out. What is it? Why is Brooklyn Brewery's barley wine style monster ale? That's an interesting way to read the label. <laughs> Isn't that what it says? It's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> but you put a little too much emphasis by, uh, for a barley wine style, I think. But anyway, this is monster Okay, beer. it's Brooklyn Brewery's barley wine style monster ale. See, that's better. It sounds better. By the way, decap and catcher, 15% off on our site. Yes. There you go, sir. Jeff gives me a pour of a nice amber-looking beer with about a finger's worth of head. It has some orange highlights to its amberness. And it smells almost roasty. Ooh, that's not what I was expecting. Ooh, that's not good. Smelling sulfur, drain. You smell that at all? Not really. Hmm. I just smell more rose. It's, it's stronger and stronger. Hmm. Okay, I smell a little something there. A little draininess. It smells like a funky drain. Yeah. Tastes a lot cleaner. 
full. Some hot alcohol to it, though. Yeah, there's some fusels. Some solvany alcohol, yeah. It's a full flavored, but there's a little bit of, yeah, a little hot. Wow, Upland. I'm sorry for shitting on Upland. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it turned out to be good, even though it wasn't where expectations were for the mouthfeel. It turned out to be a nice beer. This beer is made from three mashes. So to get the gravity in this thing, they mash, drain off. Apparently put in new grains, mash, drain off. And put in a third set of grains, mash, and drain off. And whatever the drain off is, is... The beer? The beer. <laughs> or so then they have... Is the wort, I guess. Yeah, the wort. So that's, that's interesting. It sounds wasteful, but... They probably use the second runnings to make some one-off lighter beer or something like that. It'd be interesting to have their second runnings of this. The second taste was better. The flavor's okay. The aroma, you just kind of... I have to, like, hold my nose when I take a sip, though, because there's a lot of sulfur in the aroma. Still. Still a lot of smell in the aroma that I don't care for. Flavor's better. The um, the alcohol does taste a little bit on the hot side. Solventy. I agree. But it's it's not as prevalent as the first sip, so it's something you become accustomed to. But, you know, for not something I'd expect from Brooklyn. I'd expect something, you know, more well-crafted, not as hot alcohol um, flavor from a Brooklyn beer. This is 10.1% alcohol by volume. Brooklyn Brewery, again, is brewed in Utica, New York. It is the 2007 Monster, so it was only brewed like three months ago, four months right. ago. It is not bottle-conditioned. I mean, like I said, the Upland would go great with hamburger. This one, not so much. We're trying to figure out what this would go with. We haven't yeah. done the, the food thing. Yeah, it's, it's hard because, you know, with when we do the food thing, I, I really put a lot of stock in the aroma. And I'm having problems with the aroma on this beer, on the monster here. See, I think this might go well. Correct me if I'm wrong here. With, um, with say, a ravioli. Cheese ravioli that did not have a tomato sauce on it, maybe like a garlic sauce. Like a goat cheese, the tanginess, and then how about like a mushroom sauce? Like almost like a... Um, or a uh, pesto or something like that, a little Pesto, garlic-y. probably go well. Yeah, something, you know, garlicky so it's strong and kind of well, intense. I think the goat cheese, the tang, the goat cheese tang would tang. go well with it too. What was in my mind before you took me the ravioli route was a, a, a grilled salmon or something like that. I could see a grilled salmon if it had kind of a teriyaki glaze on it. Mm-hmm. I think that if it was more citrusy, it wouldn't go. Okay. All right, so we should get into into rankings here. And one, two, three, four, five. I'm you know, before we get to the rankings, I'm going to say this monster, the flavor really grew on me. This Brooklyn monster. I, I'm really liking the flavor now. Yeah, I it's, like the flavor too. The aroma has something gross in it. <laughs> See, that's going to make ranking hard, right? Because the flavor is kind of where I wanted the Upland to be. I'm not no um, because I'm five five half barley wines into the show. <laughs> I don't notice the uh, solvency as much, but right now I'm thinking that the monster, as long as I don't smell it, is what I want to taste. All right. Well, you want to go first. So it's going to be it's going to be tough. Do you want to go first or should I? Go I'm going to have all kinds of footnotes by my things. All so right. You so let me go. let me go first because I know exactly what I'm doing. Like I said many times during the course of this entire show, Upland wins for me. We, ta- we talked about how we were expecting more out of it. 
And none of these other beers delivered on what the Upland gave me, which was the, the pure maltiness that I wanted. Now, they delivered on – and the other beers delivered in terms of the fullness aspect. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the, the aroma and the full flavor that I wanted to get from it, Upland wins. Hands down. Barley wine. Bingo. Number two is a little tough because it is between the Brooklyn and the hair of the dog. Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn was more barley whiny. <laughs> That's a word. Exactly. Um, it, but it did have a little bit of kind of off notes to it, especially in the aroma, and a little high in the alcohol flavoring, little fusels there. The hair of the dog was just unique, and the only way you could classify it is, is kind of as a barley wine, but it wasn't didn't quite fit in with the category. I think I'm going to go Brooklyn number two and hair of the dog number three, just because Brook because it's a barley wine show. Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn is the better barley wine. Hair of the Dog, I think, is probably the better beer. Okay. Uh, but Brooklyn bar- uh, second, Hair of the Dog third. Um, then, pretty easily, Old Godfather, just a little you know, too hoppy for my taste. And then the Arcadia, it had some off flavors right. in it. Basically, that's it. Okay, so you ranked them best barley wines. I'm going to have to take the style off and just do best beers, most enjoyable beers, less flaws. So for me, the Doggy Claws is going to come in first. Mm -hmm. It was, while not a wow beer, it was a holy cow beer because it had something completely different going on than what we've ever had. And for that reason alone, anyone who lives in the Pacific Northwest who can get hair of the dog beers should try to get Doggy Claws just once to see what it's like. It's, it's, uh, It's one of those beers where... It just reinvented it, it, reinvented craft beer, you know, to its own style right. there. And we don't get that every day. Number two, I'm going to put, see, this is tough because it's, it's a three horse race. I have the, the monster where I really like the body and the flavor, but it had a horrible aroma. I got the winter warmer, which had a great aroma, had a good flavor and a poor mouthfeel. That's the upland. And then number three would be the old Godfather, which had good body, good flavor, and too much hops. It's all about how you want to rank it. I mean, to me, flavor is paramount. Flavor and drinkability is paramount. And to me, the the winter... Oh, man, it's so tough. I think I liked the monster, just enjoyability-wise, next. Uh, probably because I had so much beer in me that I was able to look past the aroma <laughs> and look past it is true and look it, past it, the solventy alcohol because the solventy the solventy alcohol disappeared after the first couple of sips. Uh, so monster number two, winter warmer number three, old Godfather number four, and then the Arcadia, which you couldn't drink, which you couldn't drink is in the end, and I definitely will try him again. And if he tastes just as bad without the funky sourness, then I'm gonna have to write that beer off. Works right. for me. Is there anything you want to say before we end the show? No, I think that was it. Bye. <laughs> See you again next week. Maybe. If the baby doesn't come. That's right. Well, and I mean, it's not like we're ending the show if the baby comes. It's no, just... not at all. But we are going to have a special baby show. Right. When the baby does come. The baby's going to have a, a, you know, a taste and going to tell us what, what she thinks. Gaga. Goo goo. It's probably going to be some crying or something. So that's the end of the show, and uh, we'll see you.
That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Call the cops, I think he's coming home early. Does he know that we're on t-